listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Tasmania right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host Jason Cook and today we have David Maxwell joining us from Launceston and uh, David's continuing his series, Are You Listening? Welcome David, are you listening? <laughs> I'm certainly listening, I'm here Jason. It's good to have you here. <laughs> it's good to be here. Um, today we're going to be continuing on with a new topic or a continuing topic called reconciliation But mm. as normal, you like to start us off with a proverb at the moment Yes, I do. I do. In this series, I'm going through the Proverbs. And today I've got a Proverb, Proverb 11 to 25. It's just one, but there's a few verses around it that you could read as well that reflect a similar thing. But I'm just going to read Proverbs 11, 25 today from the New King James. It says, The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. This is a really good proverb because it speaks of selfish, selflessness. I've got problems with pronunciation this week. Selflessness. And it's speaking about having a generous attitude towards other people. Mm. So some people might think, yeah, you can say that, but there's a reward mentioned, so is it really selfless? And, and I understand what people think when they, when they think that. Um, we can be selfish even in giving to other people um, it gives us a reward it makes us feel nice to help someone else so we walk past someone on the street they need something we go pull out five dollars we wave it around so everyone in the the crowd sees we're giving them some notes and not some coins and we drop it in the basket and we feel really good and that can be selfish i, I do understand that but don't you think god knows our motives don't you think that God knows the difference between those who are giving because they want to give and those who are giving to get some kind of reward for themselves? Mm. So Proverbs 11.25 and the surrounding verses when you read them like 24 says, there's one that scatters yet increases more. There's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. These verses are roundabout. They actually give us some context as well and it shows that um, it, it's a really good lead-in for today's program entitled Reconciliation because it explains how God changes our characters and he changes the characters of those who cooperate with him. So that's why I chose that verse today. Um, and you'll see that shortly as we go through the program. That's awesome. Well, um, we'll we'll get back into that shortly, but... Uh, mm. Today, um, would you like to give us a, a bit of a recap of where we've come from? And, uh, of course, we want to remind our listeners they can listen to all of our past episodes. This is number 18 in this series. Yes, and, it's a long uh, series. It is a long series. So um, <laughs> there's lots you can find, and you can go to the Faith FM website and find this particular series called Are You Listening? Or it's also listed on our Tassie Encounters uh, programs as well. So um, just mm. give us a bit of a recap where we've come from. 
Yeah, so we've looked at how we can trust God's word. That's been really foundational when we started. We've looked at who God is, what he's like, where evils come from, how God's put a solution in place to help with that. And we're going to come back and just touch on that a little bit today. We've looked at how we can join God's eternal kingdom, and we'll touch on that as well. Um, So we were sort of recapping as we go through our, our series as well. We've looked at how the Holy Spirit empowers our church, Um, We've looked at the obedience that comes from a changed heart. And we've also looked at a special gift that God gives us called Shabbat, or this infilling, um, where he infills us with himself. And and we've looked at how we manage the things that God's given us, the character traits God's wanting for us. And last week, we looked at God's desire for us in community with with each other. We talked about marriage and what that looks like and how we can be a part of that community the way God wants us to be part of community that we see in the Godhead as well. Mm. So today we're looking at reconciliation. And here, as I said just a moment ago, we're touching back, just touching on a topic that we've already covered about what Jesus has done for us. But today we're going to also look at what he's continuing to do for us. And before the break, I have a question that's kind of related to our topic today. And the question says, who was the best mentor you ever had and how are they still an important influence for you today who was the best mentor you ever had and are they still an important influence for you today do you have any examples jason i've been thinking about this and um, i haven't come up with any particularly good examples so i'm going to let you share your example first (laughs) all right i will i will so uh, years ago when i was doing my uh, ministerial degree I've been I've been given a, you, you do an externship, so that's a two week um, placement, if you like. Uh, nursing um, people will understand this, but in ministry, you do a two week placement with a a pastor who has been in ministry for a while, and you spend some time with him. You go everywhere with him. You do what he does uh, for those two weeks, and you learn how people in active ministry actually apply their ministry ministry training. So at the end of this two weeks, I was really surprised at a question that he asked me. So he asked me, so you've spent the last two weeks doing ministry with me now. In your opinion, what could I do better? Mm. And I was blown away that this man who had spent more than 20 years in ministry at this point, we knew him when we were in Western Australia, and he 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 had a whole handful of jobs, and he did them really well, but he was a really busy man. Mm. So now, you know, years after that, more than 20 years after that, he was willing to take advice from someone who wasn't even ordained yet, that I was still doing training. Mm. And that showed me the humility of a pastor, that somebody, after all those years of training, was still willing to be taught more. Um, And so now, after years in ministry myself, I still really appreciate this man's guidance from his own experience. Mm. And, And to me, that's... I think it's it's indicative of a life that's led by God because I think of James, the brother of Christ, who wrote James, and there was a point he didn't even believe in Jesus. Him and his brothers you know, tried to get him and bring him home and say, oh, he's, you're crazy, you're out of your mind, what are you doing all this stuff for? And it wasn't until after Jesus was resurrected 
that James recognized who Jesus was, and he becomes a very humble servant of Christ, his own half-brother, if you like, human, humanly speaking. Mm. And he, he says that God loves the humble. He resists the proud and because pride isn't in heaven. Pride is the reason we have all this sin, you know. So we've looked at that in the past where Satan fell because of pride. Mm. So God helps us to be humble. And I see this in um, this man's life. I see it in other people's lives who I look up to. I see humility. Mm. There was another lady, and I'll give you a minute in a moment. Have you thought of anyone yet? <laughs> um, I, I can think of a few... Uh... <laughs> Um, yeah, a few Righto. people who have had uh, had positive influences, but um, yeah, Righto. one was a particular pastor who, again, that you, when you were speaking about humility, we we had a pastor once who um, was a very humble man, but also a very mm. um, you know sort of ambitious and driven person as well, and that's often very difficult to find those two characteristics in one person. Mm. Um, but mm. he was very humble in in his approach to things, and so. Um, but he wasn't really my mentor. I guess that's the thing. He, he yes, was somebody I yes. looked up to, but he, he wasn't really my direct mentor. And, uh, yeah, but yeah. if you're learning things from people, mm. you can see them as your mentors. Mm. And mm. Uh, I think one of the reasons why I struggle with this is because uh, when I first started working, um, I only worked for a few years where I had a, a direct boss, and then um, uh, actually not that long, uh, much later, started my own business. I was the boss. <laughs> Yes. I didn't have a mentor directly then in my work environment. So, mm, mm. Mm. but there must be other leaders that you look to in that in that sense. Yeah. And I can remember that in the business world as well. There were mm. there were leaders, and as I was doing each role, there was someone always one step above me. Mm. You know, there's always a, a boss that you have to be responsible to, and it's interesting watching and learning from their behaviour, their character, the way they treat you helps you prepare to be a better leader mm. like that. Mm. I think that's mentorship as well, not something you officially put in place. Yeah. Of course, mm. our, our uh, previous president who uh, got me involved in this radio, he was also somebody mm. who was a very passionate man and had uh, vision. Yes. And so, yeah, he, he had a, he a, a positive impact on me. Mm. He really has a big impact on me. Mm. So our question again, Jason. Who was the best mentor you have ever had, and are they still an important influence for you? We'd love to hear from you today, so do text us in. This is our show number, 0488-880-891. That's our Tassie Encounters number. Text us in. Uh, if uh, you don't have an answer to that question, just text us in. Let us know where you're listening from, 0488-880-891. We'd love to hear from you today. Uh, our first song today uh, is a, a new one for me. It's called Since Jesus Came, One Glory is the uh, artist here. I've wandered in the shades of night till Jesus came to me. He saw right through my brokenness. Say, come follow me. And with the brightness of his love, bid all my darkness flee. I'm walking in the light of love because now I can see. I have sunlight in my 
Clouds may gather in the sky, tempests round me rage. I have no need to feel it all. With Christ who lights my way, He's given all I'll ever need to walk this narrow way. With the faith He's given me, I can always say. song you're listening to tazzy encounters on faith fm and we're talking with david maxwell this morning and our title is called reconciliation we'll be talking more a bit about that in a moment but before we get into that we asked you a question and we would love to hear from you today uh well the question is who was the best mentor you have ever had and are they still an important influence for you today we'd love to hear from you today do text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, David, um, we've mentioned the fact that we're talking about reconciliation, and uh, we need to dig into that to find out what that really means. But uh, I think uh, you've also hinted that it's the fact that um, you know Jesus didn't just come and die on the cross and leave; he's still Ooh. doing things for us. He is, he is, and we're going to dig into that a little bit today and see what Jesus has already done, remind ourselves of that, and then we're going to look at what he's continuing to do. But before the before we do that, we're going to look at a passage, uh, and first we're going to pray just so that we ask God's presence to be with us and to help us to understand today. So let me pray. 
Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we still have your word. We want to thank you that you are kind and caring and loving and persevering with us. Thank you that you've given us your spirit to understand. So please help us through your spirit to understand what we read today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 9, 11 to 15, and I'm going to get you to read it from the New King James this time. Okay, it says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant, by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Thanks, Jason. That really sums up what we're looking at today in essence. Mm. But I like to uh, open up what Paul talks about because Paul talks in paragraphs, doesn't he? Yeah. His thoughts come out in paragraphs, they're, not they're in long sentences. sentences. <laughs> and they're, yes. Sometimes they're hard to read. <laughs> and I think he would fail English today. Really? <laughs> <laughs> because the teacher always used to say to me, keep your sentences short. <laughs> of course, he probably wrote these in Greek. So, <laughs> Correct, correct. And when we translate it, we see uh, we have to put the punctuation in. Mm. So maybe we can blame the uh, the translators <laughs> rather than Paul. So I want to start with an illustration called the enduring power of attorney law. So this law actually has a provision to allow someone to be appointed to act on your behalf legally should you no longer be able to act. All right, so that's the enduring power of attorney law. Uh, it's a little different from just the power of the general power of attorney law, but we're looking at the enduring power of attorney law today. So there's a provision that's been made but we have to enact it before we become incapacitated, mm. right? We've got to choose someone to be that enduring power of attorney. Um, and although the provision is only needed once, so that's in the law, it'll always be in the law, well, we hope, <laughs> until they change it, but it's, it's in there, it's only needed to have been put in there once. We only need to select someone to act, but once we do, that person continues to act in our behalf until it's no longer needed. And I think this is a really good illustration for how Jesus acts for us. It's much like what God's done for us through Jesus. As we discussed in, in session six and seven, God provided an eternal solution so that if we're not able to act on our own behalf at some time, you know, so he, he set this up a long time ago. They agreed to this before we were even created. He said, we're going to put this in place so that if something happens and God knowing all things knew it would, we could allow Jesus to act on our behalf mm. because of what he's already done or what he would do then uh, for us. So back in week seven of our presentations, we looked at what Jesus did for us to take away our sin through his birth, his death, and his resurrection. 
that was what we called redemption. And from the Greek word that's used um, in the original texts, polytrosis, it means to set free, to deliver or to liberate. Now, while this was by no means a simple act, it was something that Jesus only had to do once. The Bible says that he, uh, he, he was sacrificed once for all, once for all time or once for all people, either way how you want to interpret that. And this qualified him to be able to take our sins on himself and allow us to have access to his eternal life. So what we're looking at today, however similar it might be, is a slightly different concept. So although Jesus made the path to eternal life available, while we're still living in and around sin, something has to continue to happen for each one of us to keep that connection. And this is well portrayed, I believe, in the idea we're looking at today, reconciliation. Now, the Greek word is different from redemption. The Greek word word is, and if I can pronounce it correctly, is uh, catalage, and it means to reconcile or to be made or have things made right with one another. And perhaps this is why the Bible describes Jesus' continuing work, even from the very beginning, as a ministry of reconciliation. We see that concept used in 2 Corinthians 5, um, around 18, 17, 19, 20, 21, that, that concept of ministry of reconciliation. Because it's not a one-time thing per se, it's an ongoing process. <clears throat> We're going to unpack that a little bit. And it's something he wants us to be involved with as well for others. So it's a ministry of reconciliation. In Second Corinthians 5, it says that uh, it's something he did. He started and he passed the baton on to us, if you like. And he said, here, you continue that. So the previous state that we're in the reason we need reconciliation or to have things made right with another, as the word means, and that is to be made right with God, is that originally in the Garden of Eden, God made us without sin and we were both able to see and speak with him face to face. But our current state, however, since sin entered our world through Adam and Eve's disobedience, the rest of the race has become sinful and estranged from God because of this disobedience. Mm. It's, um, it's the, the key reason why we, we can't see it. It says no one has ever seen God directly. And yeah. uh, we can't see him because we've, uh, we have uh, sin as part of our, our life. Yeah, yeah, this inherited estrangement, yeah. if you like, you know. Mm. And so we need to have these things made right between us and God. So while Jesus' death on the cross made it possible for us to be reconciled, there's a lot more going on that will ultimately result in us allowing to be united with him, um, reconnected with him, if you like. So Jesus dies on the cross. He takes on himself the full weight of the world's committed sins. Right, so all the sins that have been committed, he he takes them on himself for those who've actually, you know, come and said, uh, I, "I want you to forgive me for this." This is explained really well in the sanctuary service, okay, and it also is explained in First John one nine. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Not only does he do this, but as the God of heaven and of all creation, he comes down here and lives as a human being like one of us. Mm. Perfect submission to his Father, and he becomes the perfect human substitute for us. Now, as I said, in the sacrificial service, this is illustrated really, really well because the person who sinned in the Old Testament sanctuary... The person who sinned would bring a perfect lamb. So it had to be a lamb without spot, no blemish, couldn't have a broken leg or a, you know, a pulled off ear or, or a chewed nose or something like that. It had to be a perfect lamb. Had to bring that lamb because that lamb represented Jesus and what he would be. Mm. So they bring the lamb, they place their head on, a hand on the head of the lamb, and they confess their sins. Let's say they stole from their next-door neighbor. They put their hand on the head of the lamb and say, I'm sorry for the sin I committed of, of robbing my neighbor. That sin now is symbolically transferred from him to the lamb. The lamb then has to die for that sin because the lamb is now responsible for it. Mm. The sins left that person. He has to kill the lamb, they catch the blood, life is in the blood, so the blood carries the sin into the sanctuary and then the high priest has got to do some stuff with that. The lamb has died for something he didn't do. The person who did it walks away free and he walks away separated from his sin. That's a really important process because it fully explains what Jesus did when he took our sins as well. Mm. And it's... uh you know that was an absolute act of love that uh, mm. that Jesus came to. Uh, we though we don't deserve it, he did it for us so mm. that uh, we could uh, be reconciled and and see him again. Yeah, and we'll mm. dig deeper into that once we've had another break. Mm, we will. Well, uh, right now we'll we'll go to another break. Uh, just to remember a reminder of our listener question: Who was the best mentor you've ever had? And are they still an important influence for you? We'd love to hear from you. Text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. And uh, our book offer today is called Christ Our Righteousness. That's coming up later. We'll give you more details shortly. Uh, but right now, this is uh, All You'll Ever Need by Andrew Peterson. Blood of Jesus, it is like the widow's oil It's enough to pay the price to set you free It can fill up every jar and every heart that ever beat When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need
cities like the widow's oil When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need It is all you'll ever need This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tessie Encounters on Faith FM, and today we're speaking with David Maxwell on the series, Are You Listening? And we hope you are. Now, uh, this morning we've been talking about reconciliation, and just before the break we were saying how Jesus became the substitute, our perfect substitute, uh, who took Mm. our sin and... uh, I guess the question is, but how does that actually reconnect us with God? Can you unpack that a bit, David? Yeah, it's a fair question, Jason. It's a, it's a process, as we said, so we haven't covered the whole process yet. And to, to firstly understand how we're reconciled, I'm just going to remind us what it was that separated us from God in the first place. We talked about this in Program 6 and 7, and we touched on it just a little before the break. We said that Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the garden and they effectively by doing that they chose to separate themselves from God. Now God is the author of life so if we separate ourselves from that life just like he explained to them when this mortal life that he's loaned to us ends life ceases. That's it. It doesn't go on. Um, we, We can't continue with life because only life comes from God. So somehow we need to be reconnected to God and his eternal life, or there's no future for us. You know, we chose, we, Adam and Eve chose effectively to follow Satan. They, they, they had two options, follow God, obey God, or follow what they're hearing here, and they followed what they were hearing. So they came under Satan's control. <coughs> that reconnection now, though, can happen because of Jesus. So Adam and Eve had chosen who was correct in their mind and Satan was, it seemed, suggesting that God wasn't fair and no one can obey him freely. Mm. We get that from reading Genesis 3, 1 to 5 where Satan puts this conflicting idea to Adam and Eve. Well, puts it to Eve and Eve draws in Adam as well. And this conflicting idea was that God is holding something back. He's he's not he's selfish. He doesn't want to give you everything. Mm. And then in Job chapter one, six to twelve and twenty to twenty two, we see that Satan is accusing God of being unfair. He says, you know, if if people are left to their own resources, they'll follow me. They'll follow the dictates of their heart and they won't follow you because you're unfair. So Job actually helps to unpack that for God and allows Satan to see that people can and will and do want to follow him faithfully, even in this sinful world, even though we're not perfect. Mm. No one person, even though some people obey God faithfully, doesn't mean we're perfect, doesn't mean we're sinless, but people choose, and there's been evidence of that. We were talking before we started. uh, Elijah, he wasn't perfect. He failed at times, but he was considered a righteous person, as was Job, as was Lot. And I think of lots of things that Lot did mm. that weren't righteous, but he's mentioned as righteous. Mm. And you look in Hebrews chapter 11 and you see Samson is mentioned there. 
but he was far from perfect. Mm. <laughs> so even though individual people have proven that it's possible to obey God faithfully, no one person is able to reverse this separation of the whole human race. And when you read in Romans five eighteen to 19, we see that this is what Jesus did when he came. He lived a perfect life. He took man's sin on him himself, and he died our death and then rose from the dead. So just like the law of the enduring power of attorney has made it possible for an ongoing solution for us when we can't do things legally, this reconnection that Jesus provided has been made available. But just because it's available doesn't mean we are enacting it. We have to actually take hold of it mm. and enact it for ourselves for it to do us any good personally. And that that's a conscious decision that somebody has to do. They have to uh, make a decision to nominate a power of attorney or an enduring power of attorney and then they have to sign a bit of paper. They do. So it's, they a, do. it's a commitment as well. <clears throat> yeah, and we'll talk about how lasting that is in our final session. Mm. So then, then there's a process of reconciliation. Now, this process is called, uh, there's a big word in the Bible that's called sanctification. There's justification. We've talked about that in the past. That means being made just as if we haven't sinned. Now, this is explained in 1 John 1, 9, as I mentioned before. If we confess, so 1 John 1, 8 and 1 John 1, 10 explain very clearly we haven't been perfect and we, we are not perfect and we won't be perfect until Jesus comes. But in 1 John 1, 9, nestled in between those two verses, it says, but if we confess. So we have to submit ourselves to God. We have to acknowledge that we've done wrong stuff. We are broken. We not broken in the sense that, you know, uh, psychologically we're we're busted, <laughs> but but we are sinful. We're mm. not perfect like God wants us to be perfect. Mm. And so we've got to acknowledge that when we come and we acknowledge that. That's the first part of this process of sanctification. So if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This ultimate reconciliation is a process. This process is not just justification, but it's daily justification, daily being made right with God. And the process, when you look at it over time, is called sanctification or being made holy, which means to be reconnected to or made right with God once more. That's what the word sanctification means. Be made holy. Mm. Be made right. So this is reconciliation, the process. So the first part of this process is to accept Jesus as our substitute. And that's very, very important. So he's the one that redeemed us. That's when we start to enact. We enact mm. the enduring power of attorney, if you like. Mm. Jesus acting on our behalf as our substitute. But then it takes, a, it's not a once, a, a single decision that changes us for all time. It's a repeating decision, that daily justification to make us more connected with God. Because then what we do is we allow the Holy Spirit to come and make the required changes within me. It's not me making all the effort. <clears throat> now, this is something that Martin Luther recognized. So he was, um, he was, a priest in the Catholic Church back in the, maybe you can remind me, is it the 1700s? Uh, 
No, it was more uh, around 1500s, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, good. Mm. <laughs> so it just shows you I don't know everything. I'm not good with history. And so back in that time, he is, <clears throat> he is um, doing something called penance, where he believed at the time that if we did enough um, terrible things to our body, if you like, we punished our body, uh, we would eventually get rid of all the bad stuff and we would be made right with God. So he's on his knees, and I've been to this supposed um, place, this stair, staircase, where he was supposedly going up the staircase on your knees. That's, that's pretty hard on your legs. Mm. And as he's going up and doing this, a verse in, in, in Romans chapter 1 comes to his mind and it says, The just will live by their faith. And he realizes that what he's doing is not faith, it's works. Mm. So it's not this, the works that does it. It's allowing the Holy Spirit by faith to come and make the required changes within it, within us. And as David said, after he was forgiven, he prays that God will renew a right spirit within him. Mm. And that's what we need to do with the Holy Spirit. We allow the Holy Spirit to come and make those changes and renew a right spirit within us. And finally, we will realize in the end the final step of seeing that reconciliation actually take place when Jesus returns and he gives us immortality forever. But we're going to touch more on that next week. Mm. <coughs> so I, I quite like this model of the uh, enduring power of attorney because there's quite a, mm. a good connection there. So uh, I've yeah, never, yeah. never thought of that before. Yeah, never yeah. It. It's only when it's enacted. Mm. That's that right. it becomes effective, isn't it? That's right, yeah. So it, the law is there, it's available, Yes. but we have to actually appoint someone while we're sane yes. <laughs> yep. um, so that they can actually do it. It's a really difficult thing. It's, it can be done, but it's very, very difficult to appoint it. You might as well after say it can't be done afterwards. Yeah. Yes. So yep. we have to choose. This is why it's a good match with us through uh, salvation. Mm. The law to allow us to be connected with God has been made available through Jesus. Mm. So they planned it before creation then jesus came and he actually did it mm. we have to though believe and accept it and let god do his cleansing work through the holy spirit then one day we're going to see it come to fruition when he returns and i believe that it's only at that time that we'll really understand the completeness of god's work of reconciliation and uh, and really understand the depth of his love for us absolutely well, our book offer today is called Christ, Our Righteousness, and it's by Arthur Daniels. Uh, how can we be perfect like Jesus is when we try so often but fail miserably? Is it even possible? Can we ever really be righteous? And does God expect us to be? What is our part in the process of, of salvation? And does anything I do contribute in any way to it? So this book looks at uh, the meaning of the fundamental doctrine of righteousness by faith. And I think it's uh, a good book to try to get hold of if uh, this is a topic that you've struggled with or you want to learn more about. Um, this song is called The Faithful Love of Jesus and it's featuring Stephen Curtis Chapman and uh, Ricky Skaggs and uh, it's backed by the Hilary Scott and family.
Faith FM, and we're finishing our program today on Tassie Encounters. 
our Are You Listening program with David Maxwell, and we've been talking about reconciliation. Now, our book offer today, Christ, Our Righteousness, we've talked about that already. It's a great book if you want to understand uh, um, the concept of being righteous by faith or righteousness by faith. So um, we encourage you to text in. We've only got three copies, though, so first three in will receive a copy of this book today. The code for today, text it in to 0488-880-891, and the code is LISTEN18, LISTEN18. No spaces. Text LISTEN18, L-I-S-T-E-N-1-8, to zero four double eight. Double eight zero eight nine one. So, uh, David, you were saying that um, God has done most of the work for us, so that we can be reconciled back to Him. Mm. Um, there's still more to do, though. And uh, but, yeah, tell us a bit more about all of this. Yeah, thanks, Jason. So, as we were talking in the break, we were talking about the illustration of an enduring power of attorney when it's enacted. Could you tell me a little bit about when you had to enact an enduring mm. power of attorney, how you did it, and what made it enforced? So, I think many of our listeners, if you've been listening for a while, will know that I've uh, been through stage four cancer and I had... Um uh, brain tumours and so um, at some point I was booked in for brain surgery and so not knowing the possible risks and outcomes uh, we decided to uh, set up the enduring power of attorney for the situations where I could no longer uh, make decisions for myself and so I chose uh, two people that I trust most my uh, wife and eldest son and they uh, were nominated to be my power of attorney. So I think there's a couple of important concepts there. Is that one we need to trust in the people uh, that they're yeah, going to do the right true. thing by us and do you know act on our behalf and mm. um, yeah. Because the power of that is that when you when you enact it, when when that law is properly enacted, no one can legally dispute it mm. because the requirements for it have been satisfied. You know, you have it's been set aside. You've said, okay, I want to invoke that. You have in your right mind made that conscious decision, and then you've done what's required to enact it. And then once it's enacted, the person who has been nominated then follows the process and does what's required. Mm. Then that enduring power of attorney is both made available, it's been chosen, and it's enacted. And it's really powerful because what I see is this same applies to our law of reconciliation to God. And it's interesting because while God is justifying us, he is reconciling us, Satan is accusing God and saying, you're not fair. Mm. <laughs> Okay, so really it's God who's on trial here. Mm. Satan is saying God's unfair. He says that um, God requires obedience and it's not possible. Then he also says he plays favourites. He changes his accusations. <laughs> uh, and and God, uh, Satan says in to Job specifically, if God didn't do so much for us, we'd choose to follow him and the dictates of our own heart. So Jesus has to prove our innocence. Jesus succeeds in being perfectly obedient to God. He relies on God's power and he shows it's possible. Even after 4,000 years of sin's degradation on the human condition, Jesus is um, obedient and he's obedient to God and he follows God faithfully and he doesn't fall into sin. Hmm. So because Jesus pays the ultimate price 
because he's God and he's man, he pays the price for all mankind. And then everyone who wants to choose his gift and be accepted by him uh, is able to be obedient because he enables us through his Holy Spirit. Mm. And he entitles us to finally receive the gift of life and live together with God as is our desire. That's what we choose. So physically, we can be justified and we can be reconciled. As I've said, when, when we finally realize this is when Jesus returns. That's when we recognize the end of the, the reconciliation process, when it actually finishes, is when Jesus returns and he gives us eternal life. Satan is then going to be silenced forever because Jesus is daily interceding for us before God. You can read this in Hebrews. I'm going to read it for us, actually, in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25, uh, because this is what the Bible says. It says, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercessions for them. So this is something Jesus is doing for us right now. He's interceding for us before God. So Satan says, Hey, David lied yesterday. And Jesus says, but, but David came and he accepted my gift of taking his sin so I can take his sin like the lamb's blood. I can take his sin because of my blood and I can take it to God and I can plead his innocence. And God says, well, you paid for it. Mm. You, you have accepted his sin on you and you paid for that. So, yes, I can accept that he is righteous. And Satan's got nothing to say because the, the, the law says if you sin, you die. My sin's taken off me and put it on Jesus. Jesus died. I don't have to die. And so Satan has to leave. Uh, he, has, he has no recourse, if you like, for attacking us anymore. So our record of choosing his sacrifice in place of our sins and our cooperation with the Holy Spirit is being presented before God right now for each one of us who continues to live connected with God. And he is performing this task as God's high priest in this analysis, if you like, analysis of whether I'm worthy to be going to heaven. I'm not worthy in my own. It says that in First John that we read, but I'm worthy because of what Jesus did. And he decides who has taken hold of this gift and who has not. And when he comes, he then brings the reward with him for those who have chosen and those who haven't. Mm. And we'll look at more on that next week. So I bring you back to this opening illustration of the enduring power of attorney, the law, the provision for our reconciliations there because Jesus made it possible. To enact this reconciliation, we have to choose Jesus to act on our behalf. And once we ask him to act, he continues to act on our behalf each day we continue to ask him to, until he comes and puts the final acts in place to solidify our reconciliation to God forever. So it's a process that starts with God and it ends with God. And we have to remain connected with God throughout that process. Don't you want to be, don't you want to have Jesus to be our enduring power of attorney, mm. to act on your behalf and reconcile you to God? I do. And I choose him every day so he can be. 
And if you want to as well, please get in touch with us. Um, get in touch with us through our, our, our number and ask how you can actually do that. And we'll connect you with people and resources that can actually help you get on your way. That's fantastic. Thank you, David. Um, we have had uh, everyone, every one of our books uh, claimed today, so sorry, mm. sorry if you missed out. So um, They've gone quickly today. Uh, next week, what have you got for us, David? Next week, we're going to look at uh, the Great Reunion as we actually look at how much God wants us to be with him and how it actually will soon take place. We're going to look at that. Mm. And uh, our next live program is next Wednesday with David Leo. We're looking at Christ as Michael. It's a bit of a uh, mm. controversial thing in some areas. So uh, is Christ Michael? We'll learn uh, more about that uh, next Wednesday with David Leo. So this is on the series uh, The Seven Roles of Christ. So do join mm. us at that time. Um, yes, and uh, we just hope today that... Uh, you have uh, heard a message that uh, God is speaking and that you are listening. So thanks for joining us today, David. We look forward to mm, having you back you. on uh, next week. And Look uh, forward to it. May you encounter Jesus more today as you go about your business. Thank this you. is uh, Home by Evan Craft. I've travelled the world Trying to find a place That I could call home Wanna leave my trace A legacy, a melody that leads us back to you So I won't relent until I'm home with you I was lost in the dark Heard you call my name Dreams so far and gone Till you fed my Surprise!